This is Oliver. And welcome to The, the Help, Help Show. Show. Hello and welcome back. And thank you for tuning in for our 15th episode, Education, Community Matters. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we've changed our weekly podcast to a monthly podcast in order for us to have better content and do deeper dives into your uh, community topics. So continue to keep following and enjoy. Hey guys, this month podcast is sponsored by Restore Right, Augustine Insurance, and Auckland Research Associates. And also I would like to take this time, being that it's the end of the year, to thank the people that made this year possible. Michelle McKamey, our COO, Tiffany Lindley, our creative producer, Taylor Elliott, our media associate, Maylin Lee, our creative writer, Isaiah Suffren, our marketing producer, Davian Elliott, our media producer, Aaron Augustine, our board member, and last but not least, our co-host, Oliver Broadman. Thank you so much, Oliver! Thank- Why are you looking at me like that, Oliver, really? Broadus? <laughs> no. You know what? Hi, my name is Aaron Augustine. My Allstate agency is the Augustine Insurance Agency, located in Addison, Texas. My favorite part about being an Allstate agency owner is caring for others, assisting people in growing, and establishing relationships with customers. I get involved in my local community by volunteering at Metrocrest Services, by assisting in the food pantry, and delivering meals to those in need. My staff and I are here to help you make smart decisions to protect what matters to you most. Come visit our agency at 3939 Beltline Road, Suite 275 in Addison. Does it make a difference in your child's quality of education? Did you know, according to education.nh.gov, students whose parents are involved in their education are more likely to adapt well to school, um, attend school regularly, um, earn higher grades and test scores, show improved behavior, and also have high self-esteem. Also, according to education.nh.gov, community involvement in school strengthens school, family, and student learning. So, Oliver, um, with how do you think education and community how do you think they entwine with each other how do you think they play hand in hand um how do you think they play hand in hand that's like a very open question I mean they play they're directly related to each other okay it takes community involvement to give your child for them to have a great education the community has to be involved right and so, um, so basically, when I interviewed for, okay, that's a really good example. When I interviewed with um, Mrs. Lucky, she is the seventh, the eighth grade counselor at Ann Richards Middle School. She had made a comment. I think it was her or Mrs. Nix, because I interviewed them the same day. I did a lot of interview that day, but one of them made the comment that um, one of the one of the parents had volunteered to be a school crossing guard they didn't have one that year and so the parent is a part of their community and so just imagine if they didn't have um, a crossing guard for that school how much traffic it would be or um, 
not even traffic. I just think that it'll be reckless. You know, school crossing guards is to keep structure, to keep a flow of traffic. And when you don't have that flow of traffic, then everything becomes chaotic. And so I didn't know that you could actually, you can um, volunteer your time um, crossing, being a school, a school crossing guard. So I thought that was very interesting. And so that plays a big part of the community. Um, I think when a community plays, or I think education and community intertwine with each other because for prime example what about a a child's self-esteem even though a child spends eight hours at a school they spend just as much time with their parents and so those two go hand in hand and as far as your parents helping with your self-esteem parents have a lot to do with um, their self-esteem you have your educators and then you have your parents and so I think if you look at it overall a community is of a wide variety. It's just not. It's just not the teachers. It's not the parents. It's the police officers that help um, your child. It's the doctors. It's the lawyers. It's the judges. Um, the judges. Um, you have what is it called when you go to city hall and you have to pay? Um, uh, was it uh, education taxes or something like that? You have to pay or when you have to pay. When I used to live in a house, I used to have a house in Las Colinas. Get to pay school taxes. Oh, your property taxes. Your property taxes. Going toward the uh, school district. That's yeah. So that's a part of the education and community. You know, you never think about it like that until you have to really start being involved in that way. And so um, those two, I think, I think it's important. So yeah, it's very important. I like. I mean, my mom was very interactive in my school, so um, having her to go to the school and, and be involved with my teachers and what they're doing. Coming up to different things that showed me that she had an interest in my education. Okay, I mean, I mean, to sit up and you know be involved in my education as well, so that it really kind of like helped me to be a better student. Guys, we really hope that um, that you enjoy all the interviews that you know that the Help Show went out there and got for you guys. Um, we have the Prince, Vice Principal, Miss um, Nix. We have the counselor, Miss Lucky. We have Miss French, seventh grade science teacher. And then also we have two parents. And so I really, really hope that you guys um, enjoy their interviews. Nida sits with Sonia Nix, a vice principal at Ann Richards Middle School. She has been in the educational system for nine years. She started at Dallas Charter Schools and saw firsthand some of the hardships that charter schools face. Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Health Show. So today, I am introducing this amazing, phenomenal woman. Did I say, okay, black woman, <laughs> Miss Sonia Nix. Um, audience, she is a vice principal at Ann Richards Middle School. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm just, I don't, I'm so thankful. I'm going to um, tell you, like, this is, a, it's called the Help Show. We call it the TTT. Thank you, thank you, thank you. First of all, um, I'm honored that you've taken the time to sit with me and elaborate a little bit about, about the education system. Um, also, um, I just want to 
give you my appreciation. It's it's, it's holiday season. It's almost Christmas. She's look. It's out of school, and she's dealing with me. <laughs> I wouldn't deal with me, but I'm going to give the floor to Miss um, Nix. I'm very grateful. Again, I'm very, very, very grateful that you have taken the time to um, talk about what you do um, at Ann Richards and educate the audience how hard it is to be um, a vice principal. So, Miss Nix, tell us a little bit about you. Okay, thank you for having me. Um, you've got me completely blushing. I don't want you to be that thankful, but um, um, my name is Sonya Nix. I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. I really went to private school all my life. Oh wow! Um, I went to college on a basketball scholarship and still kind of wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I hung out and had a great time. Good. <laughs> Um, I moved to Dallas, and as soon as I moved to Dallas, I got a job at SMU working oh. in the, uh, what do you call it, the sport, intramural sports office. Okay. I worked in my master's, got my teaching certification, and began teaching. Dallas ISD actually gave me a contract before I finished my certification. Oh, wow. And so I finished my master's, finished my certification uh, at SMU, and been and taught for like maybe um, eight or nine years. Oh, wow. Yep. And then I decided that I wanted to be a principal. So Mm -hmm. I went back. I got my principal certification and my superintendent certification. And I applied for a principal job at a charter school here in Dallas, and they hired me. Oh, wow. (laughs) No experience at all, right out of the classroom. And that was the best year of my career because I think when you leave the classroom and go right, you think you know what it is until you get into it. Yeah. And then going into the principalship with no assistant principal experience at all, I learned a lot that year. Oh, wow. I learned a lot that year. So uh, I don't want to name the charter school, but they had a reputation for only keeping their principals once a year. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a charter school that was really on a money grab, maybe not necessarily doing the right thing for students, but trying to get as many students as they could because charter schools get their funding based on student attendance. See, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they fired me, which was okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Which was okay. Um, that was in June. and July, another charter school hired me. Oh, wow. As their principal. Okay. And they called them executive directors. Everything was going great. And so... Um, I think there, let me say this first. I think there are some really great charter schools, but I think there are some not so great charter schools. Okay. The next charter school that I worked at, um, I was asked to, you know, they were turning in documentation to get funding from the state. And I was asked to be dishonest on the paperwork and oh. I refused to sign off on it. And then all of a sudden I was no longer a team member. And they fired me. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I wasn't going to lie. So I could deal with that. Right. <sighs> then after that, um, I went and worked for another charter school. No, I guess these, I just. <laughs> these charter schools just love you. <laughs> yeah. And um, that last charter school, my position was eliminated. Hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. So I was a stay-at-home mom for a while. 
Oh, wow. And I loved it, but then I started to get bored. And then I think that's when I really realized that education was my calling because I miss that interaction. I miss seeing those light bulbs go off with students. Mm -hmm. And so I was married at the time, and I told my husband, I said, I think I'm going to go back. I'm not going to necessarily go back into administration. Mm -hmm. I said, I think I'm just going to go back and teach. Okay. He's like, great, whatever you want to do. A really good friend of mine um, worked in Lancaster ISD, and she said, hey, we need some really good teachers. I was like, great, round the corner from my daughter's school. I was just going to teach, and I don't have that stress of, you know, being back in administration. And I loved it. The principal said, I need a special education teacher. He said, I'm going to hire you, but in the next two weeks, I need you to go and take the special ed test and pass it. Okay. I said, okay. I can do it. I studied for uh, the test for two weeks, okay. and I went and took the test. Okay. That was the hardest test I've ever taken in my life. Usually, I'll sit for a certification test. takes me an hour and a half. I've passed every certification test I've ever taken. The special ed test, it took me the four hours. You know how you go and you answer the questions and they say, hey, the ones you don't know, skip over those and then come back at the end of the test. Well, I have skipped question 36 to 72. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is that hard? It was that hard for me. Huh. But other people say it was easy. Huh. And so I really just took my time and tried to use as much knowledge as I had gained over the years. And I ended up passing. Okay. Got my special ed certification and have loved being a special ed Ever since, like right now, I'm the assistant principal over special education. Mm-hmm. I've considered going back and getting my doctorate in special education. I love working with my autism students. I absolutely love special education. Oh, wow. So um, as years gone on, I ended up um, working for Duncanville ISD, ended up coming back to Dallas. Okay. And it got accepted into the fellows program in Dallas. Huh. And later on in the interview, Miss Nix gives her opinion on what makes a school good or bad. Miss Nix, I sent you an article um, that was from Slate, and it in the title was "What Makes a Good or Bad School." Mm-hmm. And so, what does make a good or bad school, and mm-hmm. does test scores have a lot to do with that? Well, here here's what I think. If you really, really look at the reason why, why do students, why do kids go to school? To learn. If they're not successful on tests, are they learning? No. But what are they, like, what are they afraid to take? What do they have, like, issues taking tests? Or... Then, then our job as administrators is to find, figure out what those issues are okay. and help that student learn how to deal with those issues. Okay. So, so a good school is a school where students and teachers are always learning, always learning, always learning. If a school is consistently failing, students are learning. So don't get me wrong. Yes, we are culturally strong and social and emotionally strong. But the number one goal for going to school is to learn and be prepared to go to college or get a career. Okay. That is your number one goal is to learn. Let's look at it like this. Okay. Because every day when I go to work, I'm looking at my students like, okay, what kind of person am I putting out into the world? So you're my student, you come to school every day, you never give me any behavior issues. And let's say my school is grades K through 12, you stay with me from kindergarten to 12th grade. Okay. Right? Okay. You're at school every day. Okay. You don't have any behavior issues. K to 12. When you graduate after 12th grade, Mm -hmm. I know you know how to act, I know you know how to show up where you're supposed to be, but you can't read. What kind of... What kind of injustice have I given you in 12 years? 
None at all. Mm-hmm. Huh. So was my school good or bad? It was bad. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. My job is to prepare you to be a productive citizen. I look at it like this. I look at my my male students as when they leave me and they finish college, they're going to be someone's father and they're going to be homeowners and they're going to be community members. Right. When my young ladies leave me, they're going to be somebody's mom one day. Right. They're going to send their kids back to me. So I got to make sure that what I'm sending out mm-hmm. is good because it's coming back to me. Most, de- most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> you know? Huh. You know, you, I didn't, you know, you don't look at it like that. First thing when you think about good and bad, what do you think about? Behavior. Right. Oh, no, no, not at all. Because kids are kids. No. And I think that once you huh. accept that kids are kids and they're trying to figure it out, they're going to act out sometimes. Sometimes kids act out because they don't know how to handle themselves. So every school has behavior. Okay. Every school has behavior issues. Okay. It depends on how equipped you are to handle it and find the source of that misbehavior right. and correct it. Hmm. I have some horrible seventh graders. I, <laughs> and I love them with all of my heart. Right. But once I find out what's going on and work with their parents, mm-hmm. it kind of smooths out. So every school, no matter how great their scores are, has a behavior problem. It just comes along with the territory. But a bad school is a school where students are not learning. You know what? That is so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no matter how great they are, if you're Cause not Because I have horrible seventh graders, but they pass that star test. Yeah. Well. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They're going to grow up, and they're going to mature, and their behavior is going to adjust. I need them to have everything that they need yeah, yeah. to be successful. To get out of this world. This to get out of this world. Well, to get out it's of this getting world. harder and it's more challenging. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. What they're dealing with now, especially with social media. We didn't deal with that. Not I didn't deal with all. that. Oh, that's, not at all. That's it's, so hard. And it's amazing how it's such a big influence. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And so now you have to teach them truly what is right and what is wrong. It is. Uh-huh. And, you, mm-hmm. and you have to let them know what the, what the consequences are when you try to emulate what you see on social Absolutely. media. Because sometimes mm-hmm. they cannot differentiate Mm-hmm. The difference. Right, right. It's, and it's so funny because I always, you can tell I'm old because I'm a big Little Wayne fan. I'm but, like Little Wayne, they don't make Yeah, right. So I always joke and I say, you know, you see Little Wayne on stage, he's got on skinny jeans and he may be a little inebriated and he's having a good time. And I hate that our kids don't get to see the side of Little Wayne when he puts those dreads up and he's got on a suit and he's going and he's talking to Fidelity about his money. Uh hmm. Our kids don't get to see that side of it. It would be so great if they did. You know what I mean? It really right. would. They think Little Wayne on stage is Little Wayne all the time. Once he walks off that stage, he's a dad. He's a man in a community. Right. He's giving back, you know? He's right. productive. Right. Because how can he so, keep producing yes. if he don't know how to be productive? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people don't He's sitting in parent-teacher conference. Yes. Like, why are you acting He's meeting up? with his investors. <laughs> he's making business deals. Most But he had to get an education to be able to do all that. Right. And our kids don't get to see that side of it. And I wish they did. And not just him. All the, all the media. Yes. All the media. Because right. I don't care how car- crazy Cardi B is. Yeah. She can count yeah. and she can read. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm telling you. Uh, you know? That's that's so true. You the know? first thing she said, she was like, I can spend the money that I want to spend because my financial advisor. Yes. Okay? Absolutely. Let me know how much money I can spend. Yes. So that means, obviously, she's paying attention. She can count uh-huh. and she can read. Uh-huh. If she couldn't count and she could read, yeah. she would be out 
right. already. Well, out think of about industry. how many people win the lottery and in two years they're dead broke. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Think about how many people they did a special on thirty for thirty on ESPN. How many professional athletes, you know, when they couldn't play anymore, they're homeless and bankrupt. Right. Because they look, they can't count. Uh uh-uh. uh no, and, and irresponsible. Well, there was no discipline growing up. You know, the the per the adult you are is the kid that you are, unless you decide to make a a drastic change. But you have so many people who who come from maybe not so great backgrounds, and they get this fame and this money, and they don't know how to handle it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and me and my mom talk all the time. I learned a lot, like a lot of my financial sense from my parents because right. they like were just like really great at that and right. and accomplished a lot. Hmm. And I hadn't been that great, you know. But um, my mom, you know, me and my mom talk all the time. Like, okay, you know, if you hit the lottery, what are you gonna do? And I'm like, well, I definitely want to give money to church. Right. You know, I said I'm definitely buying a black on black Corvette, a red caliber. <laughs> <laughs> she said no. She said you're going to get an attorney. You're going to get a, an accountant. And uh-huh. You're going to get a psychiatrist. Yeah. You have to get a psychiatrist because your life is going to change so drastically mm. that you're going to need somebody to help you through that emotionally and socially. Most definitely. You're going to get an attorney because you have to make sure that you're protected legally. Most and your accountant is going to work with your attorney to make sure that your money is taken mm. care of. I love your mom. Can I talk to your mom? Yes. Everybody <laughs> always wants to talk to my mom. But, you know. I, yeah. Yeah. I like that. And she's like, well, would you continue to work? I was like, I would continue to work because I absolutely love my job. Now, my attitude is going to be a little different. <laughs> well, <laughs> you might have to flip but, the pony a little but, bit. But, yeah, but I absolutely love my job. So I would always be in education in some capacity. I so, love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and with one more question, mm-hmm. and we're going to sign on off. Um, <clears throat> so what is the best experience that you can remember in your whole right now in your educational um in the educational field that you have had that's been so rewarding that I can't just pick one. You can't pick one? I, I can't I just can't just pick one. Hmm. That says a lot. Mm-hmm. That says a lot. Wow. Huh. I can't pick one. Okay, just okay, just oh my gosh. Hmm. Wait, did you have one this year? Something rewarding this year? Yes. Okay. Go. Let me think. I have to pick one you from have, this year too. You have to pick one from this year. Okay, hold on. What okay. I think that the most rewarding thing this year, so sometimes, you know, we don't necessarily get all of our our, uh, numbers and everything back until we get back at the the beginning of the school year. Okay. And this year, my seventh grade team had the most gains out of any other grade level in every subject area. Oh, wow. So I'm over science, but my ELAR teachers... My science teachers, my, my my science teachers, number five in the district. Okay. Um, my social studies team, they have the biggest gains in all four core areas hmm. out of everybody. And it's so funny because, you know, seventh grade, we're kind of the black sheep. Right. Seventh grade teachers are always just a little different. I'm always a little different. Our kids are like the most, <laughs> most uh, rowdy. Uh, yeah, well, you know, rowdy kids out of all the grade levels. So seventh grade always has this mark on them. And 
for us to just outachieve everybody else despite the reputation. Okay. And despite the behaviors. Okay. That's always so rewarding. Hmm. And it's so funny because at the beginning of the year, we had to pick a song that signified seventh grade. <laughs> and so we chose Drake, started from the bottom and we hear. Okay. Yes. Okay, and so, okay. uh-huh, because... <laughs> Ever since I've been at that school, my seventh grade team has just overachieved, overachieved, overachieved. And everybody says, oh, it's because of the culture that you create. Hmm. I said, but if you take care of your teachers, they're going to take care of your kids. That's true. So I think that's my biggest accomplishment is every year just watching seventh grade as much as we're talked about, as much as, you know, not so kind things are said about us. Uh We are killing everybody. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so that's I absolutely love mm-hmm. it. I like okay. So I could just pick one thing because there's so many, but that's one of the most important things to me. Huh? Yeah. I really I like that. I really like that. Yeah. Well, Miss Nix, I really enjoy teaching at your school. I enjoy having you there. I, I, I hope you come and be on our team permanently. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Um, I enjoy I enjoy the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't you though? I I really do. <clears throat> Let me tell you what happened, and we can just close this out. Um, so yesterday was the last day um, for Christmas break, right? And so we did the testing. We um, we finished out with with testing, and so a little kid, uh, one of my students, I'm not gonna say her name, one of my students ran back in with a little basket mm-hmm. and pulled out um, me a gift, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I was like. Oh my, I was just really shocked. You know, I'm not thinking anybody's mm-hmm. going to give me a gift. But it's not the point that she gave me a gift in candy and chocolate. It's the letter that she wrote uh-huh. in the gift basket, mm-hmm. the little gift basket that she gave me. And the first of all, she called me Miss Wright instead of Miss Riddles. So I thought <laughs> that was okay. So I thought that was cute, you uh-huh. know. Um, second of all, she just said, I really enjoyed you as my reading teacher. Mm hmm. Um, from the time that you've been here, mm-hmm. um, I hope that you come back. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know I've been reading Gravity, and I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, Christmas, and have a um, great time with your family. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's so funny because it was just you didn't know that you did something for that kid. It was just it just takes one. It takes one. It just takes one mm-hmm. kid, and my heart just melted. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I never thought in a million years. That I will be teaching. Uh-huh. And That's kind of how I end up. It, it is so weird. When I mean, even when you come into the school, and I got all these seven graders, hey, Miss Reynolds, hey, Miss Wright, hey, Miss Russell, <laughs> and they run up and give I'm me a hug. You, yeah, I'm going to tell you what's moving for me is that so my seventh graders have gone on to eighth grade. Yeah. I'm always pushing eighth graders off the floor. They're like, we want to be back down here with you, Miss. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> not two years. You go. But it does warm your heart when they're, like, trying to sneak on your floor or trying to be with you. Man, it just, uh-huh. it, it, oh, it, it just yeah. warms my heart. Uh-huh. It almost puts tears to my yeah. eyes yeah. that I actually have changed children's lives. Or when, I, when I'm actually teaching them, they're like, we learn more from you. We're learning so much from you. Oh, mm-hmm. you going to give us 
don't give us a homework, but we learn from our homework. We're we're learning uh-huh. from the examples you're teaching, mm-hmm. and it it makes me feel so great that mm-hmm. they're actually listening, uh-huh. that they're actually learning, that they're participating. And, and kids, kids want to learn. They want to and learn, and they want to be disciplined. They do. Mm-hmm. It's like the meaner I am, the more they love me. Uh-huh. I thought it would be the, no. Yeah. It's like the more yeah. I'm like very stern with them. You know, I stay on them. Like, hey, get to class on time. Because they interpret that as you care. Man. Because sometimes they go home and they don't have anybody to care about them. That's true. They don't have anybody to fuss at them. And that's why I make it a point. I'll fuss at them, but I love on them too. Man. And And they'll give me a hug. And I'm all this love. Where does love come from? Get off me. Get Get off off of me. me. (laughs) And they just hugging me and say, we're going to see you tomorrow, miss. Have a good day. Or they see something wrong. They're like, oh, you okay, Miss Rose? Uh I'm just like, Wow. You know, kids are so, they're so amazing. <laughs> they are. I don't have any. Yeah. I have a standard poodle. And so, <laughs> they're so amazing. And they're such a gift that God mm-hmm. has given the world. Yeah. And they are truly our future. Yeah. And yeah. I think that we should consist consistently keep on them. Okay. To push them to be great. Yeah. Do not give up on them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, to, to be there, to listen, and to learn. Yeah. And I, we, we learn from them like they learn from Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and so that's what I'm going to say about that. And thank you so much. You're welcome. I've enjoyed this. I'm so honored. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Help Show. Today's podcast music is produced by Davian Abney Music. To get your very own custom beats, email him at DavianAbneyMusic at gmail.com. That is D A B. I-O-N-A-B-N-E-Y-M-U-S-I-C at gmail.com. In order to build a home, you must first have a strong foundation. And a teacher is just that, a strong foundation. Now to interviews Miss Ravone Finch French, a seventh grade science teacher that has been teaching for 15 years. Miss French expresses the importance of a teacher and parents working together to better prepare the students for the outside world. Also giving an opinion or two about the education system. Hi, this is Nayetta, and you're listening to The Help Show. I am with Miss Ravon French. Um, she is a educator. I don't want to say teacher. We talked about that earlier, saying t- a teacher and educator. So Miss French is an educator, and she's been educating students for 15 years. We have five years in Houston, Texas. Um, we have five years in Dallas, Texas. And we have five years in Oklahoma City. Um, everybody, welcome, Miss French. Yay! <laughs> so, Miss French, thank you, thank you, thank you. We call that the TTT on the Help Show. Thank you, thank you, thank you <laughs> for taking the time and um, interviewing with the Help Show. Um, this month, we're talking about education, community matters, and community does matter, and it does take a village to 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 raise children. Mm-hmm especially um, being a teacher. And I've actually seen it firsthand because I've been subbing since I started graduate school. And so, boy, (laughs) I get an eyeful every day. (laughs) So let's not make this about me. We are going to talk to Ms. French. And so um, I am just, I'm really honored that you have taken the time um, to really interview with me. Ms. French, I... I pass her every day for, I've been at this school where I am, I, you know, I don't want to like say what the school is, but <laughs> the school that I'm at, um, I've actually been here 
um, almost over a month for um, reading. And and so I would pass <clears throat> Mrs. French's class. And my first week, I probably didn't really say anything too much because I'm, I'm absorbing everything. Everyone, every student, every faculty, that's just kind of who I am. I, I kind of look around. And then one day I just said, hello. <laughs> and um, we just started talking, and we've just been talking ever since then. And um, really great conversation. But Miss French is awesome sauce. So you can tell them what you teach and a little bit about yourself, Miss French, and then we can just kind of roll into these questions. <clears throat> well, I teach seventh grade science, and people are always saying, why? <laughs> I love science. <laughs> My background is in environmental health. Um, I did. I used to be a health inspector back in my days before I became a teacher. Oh wow! I used to be a water well inspector, okay. so I have a lot of you know experience in that field. And I also I used to work in with WIC, um, you know, when I was a lot younger, and worked in a hospital. So I have a I have a lot of industry experience when it comes to um, environmental health and food safety, and also food service. Okay. So I bring a lot of that experience to the classroom because if we're going to teach our children how to choose a great college or in a career, then they do need somebody who can say, okay, I've done something other than teaching. Correct. And so, so far now, a lot of teachers, a lot of them, they come right out of college and that's all they've done. Right. So I'm one of those, I tell my kids, you have to learn how to be a little bit um, flexible about some of the things you want to do. So. That's basically what I, you know, what I do with my students. Um, I am a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Okay, okay. I'm a graduate of Langston University. Okay. Langston, Oklahoma. Go Lions! <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm, you know, usually chilled every, every, you know, pretty much the rest of the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like chilling. So with you having with you having real world experience because you just made a statement a lot of the teachers now it's just like their education mm -hmm. and they come from school you know coming from undergraduate mm -hmm. and sometime um, graduate school not really having real world experience to be able to um, give to the students mm -hmm. and so with that being said um, what do you think the three main issues that are in the school. Do you think that could be one of the issues? No. Or what do you think, what are the three main issues? Well, as far as from my perspective, since I've been in education so long, I will say discipline has really been a big issue. And it's an issue that prevents those great teachers from staying in the classroom. <laughs> I do know that I've read stories, I've heard, I've also watched. Huh teachers leaving the classroom because the discipline or the lack of support of the discipline in schools um, has cost us those great teachers. Right. And these teachers will usually go back into the private field or whatever, um, or maybe go to a different school district right. where they don't have those problems. Right. You know, and a lot of teachers love working with our um, socioeconomic at-risk at children. Right. But because of discipline issues, and it really, you know, I'm a strong disciplinarian. Right. So, but there's those days that I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. Why? It gets like that. 
And then I have to kind of like step back and say, well, they need structure. They have to have structure. And they, and, and although I think that a lot of kids don't like me, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, they, they at times don't. But, you know, some of the feedback that I get from the kids is like, well, I'm glad you told me. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you were, you know, you were strong. I'm glad that you stayed on my case. Right. You know, because I let them know I'm not picking on you. So discipline um, and also the support, the lack of that from parents right. it is also an issue. Um, when you call a parent, the parent is, are, are enablers. So there are some out there, they, they're more into whatever they want to do for themselves than making sure that their children are equipped with what they need on a daily basis. So question, why do, why do you think that? Well, I believe it could be their upbringing. Right. They're not. Um, they could. They could be misguided. Right. Um, they maybe. You know, a lot of people just think that having children is just to, you know, for whatever their reasons are. You know, a lot of people just don't. You know, put forth that effort. It's a lack of effort a lot of times. Right. And sometimes parents are overwhelmed. With all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, you know, people having to work two jobs, they don't get to spend that time with their, with their children to adequately um, raise them. Correct. So they leave it to the teachers to raise them. Or another thing, um, and may I, mm -hmm. um, children having children. That's true. Definitely. You know, how, I know this. I have experienced it. Yeah. How can, uh, how can, um, uh, mother that is let's say 17 18 you know that has a mother that's 30 it's like children mm -hmm. are raising children exactly. no one has had time to grow no one has had time to actually have a, um, a child life now even an adult life mm -hmm. um no one is knowing the, the proper way to raise their children i think that um the younger generation which i think is wrong your child is not your friend you are their guardian. Mm -hmm. You're the, you are their parent. You are there to structure them. You are there to direct them. You, right. I'm, I'm not. You're not here to be their friend. Like I am your educator. I'm mm -hmm. your teacher. I'm not your homegirl. Right. You know. And, and sometimes I say I that think, on a daily myself. And sometimes I think they misconstrue that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the bigger issues. I think, especially right. with you know with younger parents. And your third one. Um, you well, actually, I have a tie for second place, bullying yeah. and drugs. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Bullying um, is on the rise now. Of course, everyone knows about the young man that was bullied um, that's been circulating around on Facebook. Yeah, which one? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a lot. And, there, you know, <coughs> it, it, just really, it just really upsets me how people are, these children are bullied. And a lot of them, you know, end up, you know, taking their own lives. So that's, mm -hmm. that is an issue. And from what I understand, that this region, North Texas, from, um, from something, I was at a, a conference, a seminar uh, last summer, and the lady was saying that we were up in the top five. I can believe that. For suicides. I can believe that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just sitting there with my mouth open, like, you, you don't hear about the statistics. No, you don't. They can't. And, you know, so with the drug, and then, you know, you have a lot of issues with drugs. And I was speaking with a friend 
the other day. I'm not sure. Was that? I'm, I'm thinking it was either you uh-huh. or it could have been someone else. We were talking about um, how the the numbers are crunched in, in certain areas, and it makes it look like Dallas County has a high number of drug cases and things like that when these people come from other counties See, into that, that Dallas. Me. I would remember that would have been a good conversation. And and yeah. so drugs with our amongst our children, um, we just had a drug awareness um, assembly about a week ago, and a lot of kids drug of choice is marijuana. Very. This seminar was very informative. Very. I learned some stuff. I was like, wow. I know. I, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and to see. <laughs> You know, to see what what people, these kids, they just really, truly do not realize what they're doing to their bodies. And my third thing, because of the drugs, I would say low reading capabilities. Our students come to us three to four grade levels behind. Um, I teach seventh grade. I have to teach on grade level. I literally have students who read on the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade levels and it, it, I mean, and then we have these large classes. It's like, yeah, it's it. it you can't, you know, you want to, you try to, you have to be as creative as possible. One of the four C's <laughs> to get these kids where they need to be, some kind of way. Right. So the question I have with that: Do you think because um, the school is a, a tier one school that the issue with reading is? below and behind or do you think that or you know because of the economical um stand or what's your what's your thought on that mr french i think well i see it across the board uh-huh. i you know i did see it when i was in houston i saw uh-huh. it when i was in oklahoma city okay um i did even read a a passage that there's some some people in california that want to sue calif the state mm-hmm. of california because the kids are are reading low, you know, mm. and I'm kind of like, wow. And I think it has to do with the fact this is me. This is a teacher talking, guys. We don't get the opportunity to immerse our students without doing all this testing stuff. Now tests are fine, but when you're doing so much of it, yeah, and the kids are not grasping. I remember when I was growing up, we didn't have all this testing. We did a whole lot of uh, practice, practice. We, you know, our teachers were able to sit down with us. We didn't have large class sizes. We probably, I would probably guess it was like 15, 20 kids in the class. How many do you have in your class, Ms. French? My biggest class has 31. Yeah. Like I I have 30. Yeah. I have uh, three classes with 30 kids in it. You sound like me. I have about 100. I got a total of 120 students. I have 155 total. Yeah. So it's, and you know, that's a lot of kids and, you know, it, you know, I just think that our kids are not getting what they truly, truly need as far as the immersion. And I believe that elementaries are not talking with the middle school teachers and, you know, vice versa with the, the middle school, with the high school. What can we really truly do to get our kids and what we have to do to get on the same page right? to make sure our kids are really truly ready for the next grade because these kids are not ready. They are not ready. They're not ready, yet we're forced to pass them on. We are technically, I feel like we are because 
unless you have to have like strong documentation. Huh. But then if what if you have 30 kids that you know you truly don't need to pass? But guess what? That that's going to make that's going to bombard the other classes. So and then you're kind of looked on upon as an ineffective teacher. Correct. So there's there's all these stresses of all of this going on within a teacher's head. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do I get these kids raised from one level to the next? I got to teach them this. I got to teach them that. And it's like, okay, where are we going to, we need to meet somewhere in the middle. And I really believe that if parents would kind of help us out at home, right. set up some reading time right. with their children. Everybody in the, in the family sit down and read a book. But how can that be when a parent is working two jobs? Right. Or how can that be every time you turn around, it's like, here's a video game. Right. Here, go play. Go go away. Go play instead of actually um, interacting in um, right. conversations, learning to um, f- um, format sentences, mm-hmm. um, learning how to develop a sentence, learning how to communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, those those are the issues. I, and I totally agree with you because that, that that's going to be one of the answers that I'm going to come up with something else. Okay. Um, so those are the three main issues. There may be some other mis- issues that other people may come up, but these are the three that are dear to me. Okay. So with saying all that we feel what the education system needs to do, um, overall, what do you think that, what are the three things that you feel that the educational system is doing correctly? Well, let, and let me, let me backtrack one. I'm going to add one more main issue okay. in our school. I'm okay. going to add one more to that. Okay. Our politicians and they're not—they're not listening to the teachers. Oh, I know that. The, 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 That's a show. The state, the—you know—they're not listening to the teachers. The teachers are saying, "We're in the classroom every day. This yeah. is what's happening. Yeah. This is what we need, and our needs are not being met." Right. So now we're forced to, number one, we got to did we we are we're going to have to vote people out. You have to. We have to stop voting our party line and vote what the folks are going to do. We got to start block voting. Yep. And that's another, I know that's another topic, but that's one, that's, that's another issue I believe that's actually affecting all of the schools is the policies and, and the laws that are being passed down to kind of cripple, you know, what teachers can do. Huh. So we have to, you know, we kind of have to be creative. You do. <laughs> Trust me. I know. Okay. I'm seeing this. Now, the three things that schools are doing right, I will say for my district, pulling in those great teachers. Now, we have partnerships with uh, Teach for America um, and some other types of alternative um, programs. I actually came through an alternative certification program. I did not get the traditional elementary education or secondary education degree. Okay. I actually went through um, Harris County College and I was a I started off as a sub. Okay. Became a teacher aide. So, I actually got that 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 immersion of that training and and that way I was able to be more effective as right. a teacher. Right. And I believe that and that would be my advice to anybody, if you want to be a great educator, cater, excuse me, great educator and you're interested in it. Become a sub first. Get your feet wet in it. See if this is really what you want to do because I think a lot of time these teachers, they, these young folk, they come in, 
They want to be teachers, but they leave after a year or two. The first five years, just like a marriage, just like a business, is usually your, your hardest years, and you're setting the tone for how you want the rest of your years to go. Huh. And so, you know, at, to become that great educator, you got to make sure that you are doing everything that is. You got to learn, you got to learn, you got to learn. Right. And that is, and what I like about the school districts, they're getting, they're starting to get that talent. They're getting these, these young teachers in that are technology, technology, I can't even say the word, tech, technologically driven to do what it is they need to, you know, do in the classroom. So, you know, our millennials are very technology savvy. And, you know, we old heads, we got to, like, you know, we got to catch up. <laughs> you know, so they like the veteran teachers, you know, because we, we, we have our set style and things like that. But we have to also work more with our millennials and, right. you know, kind of get it going a little bit more. Now, the other thing that schools are doing, you know, ex extremely wonderful, is that we're providing that technology. Yes, we're integrating technology into our lessons. We are, you know, encouraging our children to use that technology. Mm -hmm. We're also taking that opportunity to actually learn from them, too. Most definitely. Again, Most definitely. they know more about stuff than we do because they're always on technology, because they're at home, because somebody's not spending time with them. Right. So guess what? They're, they're, they're figuring out things. And then, you know, you like, I, there have been times I'm like, yo, how y'all do this? <laughs> and they're like, miss, this how you do this. I'm like, oh. And I'll be like, what's all the latest uh, apps and stuff? And they'll tell you. They can tell you. You yes. know, so that, that, that mesmerizes me because I'm like, see, we can learn from each other. Right. So those are the, some of the things that, that schools are doing right. And also, with all of this, being a great educator, integrating that technology, we are fostering those positive relationships. Because yes. when you are interested in what the kids know, <coughs> that, that, that creates that positive atmosphere. Now, do I have to get on to some kids sometime? Yes. But those positive relationships, and there are people out there who do not know how to have relationships with the children. So we have a, a, a momentous institute training that these people come out and they kind of help us with positive narration and things like that. And it's actually a pretty good program. At first I was kind of like, eh, you know, because I'm an old head, you know how we are. <laughs> I got this. But it has really helped me. It has changed a lot of my perspective. It has changed how I interact with the kids. Because I'm kind of hardcore, strict, you know, but then I'm like, okay, I kind of got to loosen up a little bit. Just, you know, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. A pinch. Okay. So those are, <laughs> those are things um, that schools are doing right and also providing, and, and you know, you're giving me three choices. I need four. But another one, providing opportunities for really, really good professional development. I like that. And that's how you become that great educator. You do. You, you do. You, you can be. You, you know what? You actually can become that great educator. You, yeah. And, yeah. And I truly believe there are great educators out there. And I believe that there are some, if they're, if they're struggling, they're not, they're not tuning in to what it is, they, you know, to the professional development, the veteran teachers, mm -hmm. to get them to that greatness they need to be. Okay. So those are, that's my... 
So with developing the children, how do you think the community can help with the success with the students? Number one, first and foremost, <laughs> vote. Get out there and vote. 2018 in November is coming up. Please get out there and vote. Get the facts about all these people. Let's, un let's get all of these other folk out there that are not doing their jobs. Let's get them out of these offices. Get, I mean, seriously, we got to start speaking our voice. We got to go out there. We got to ask these hard questions to, you know, give these questions to these politicians and to anyone out there who wants to serve the communities. If these people are not going to do what they are supposed to do, they're promising this and that, get them out of office because this is how we can get our school community back in the shape it needs to be in. Right. You got to hold them accountable. Right. Um, get more involved with your with your schools. It's it, you know, I can't say this enough. In elementary, parents seem to be more involved. Hmm. When the kids get to middle school, they they're not as involved unless it's a sport. Hmm. And then when they get to high school, unless it's a, again unless it's a sport, huh. parents are not involved academically. I was having a conversation with a coworker today, and that conversation we were talking about Lexile levels. Okay. And Lexile level is the difficulty of material a child can read. So if they have a 720 and they're in the seventh grade, that means they read like on a fifth grade, maybe huh. fifth, sixth grade level. Oh, wow. That means they're behind. Correct. And parents do not know this. So parents need to be a little bit more in tune to what we do in the classroom now, they you know, I hear a lot of parents. Well, you were the you're the teacher. You're supposed to no, 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 no. Get involved. Find out what what it is that you can do at home to help bring up that Lexile level because these kids cannot go to high school mm -hmm. and they're reading at a fifth grade level. They cannot. They will not succeed. They will not. It's like, and it's proven they yeah. will not. These kids drop out. These kids these kids become disinterested. In school, right. I have many kids that I know right now. They're just waiting until they turn sixteen to drop oh, out. Oh, to drop out. Uh huh. Oh, I know that for a fact. Because somewhere along the way, someone have not shown these kids the interest that they need to have in the kid, so that they can be interested in bettering themselves. Correct. And it could be a parent, right? Probably dropped out. Parent doesn't isn't maybe had a bad experience in school. Right. So, therefore, they're not going to encourage their kids to do Correct. that. Correct. Correct. And so you have that generational, I call it a generational curse. You, you, you have the generations of these kids that keep doing the same stuff that's hurting not only themselves, it hurts the community, and it helps, and it hurts the economy. But my favorite, it does. My favorite thing when they say, oh, I want to go to trade school. But you know what I tell them? You still got to be able to read. Right. You still got to be able to read the information. Right. So, regardless... You know, you can't um, skip your way around um, education. Um, I just tell them, roll your sleeves up, do the best that you can do, be the best that you can be. And, you know, if you if you actually are trying to do the best, things will happen your way. Right. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I see that. I can't just turn 16. Then what you going to do? Right. I mean, you, you, you know, I remember speaking with a recruiter one time, mm. um, Army recruiter. Right. And he stated that this is just, this came out of his mouth. He said that getting a GED is like you just quit. Oh, wow. And mm. and he don't deal with quitters. Huh. I don't either. <laughs> because when you get a GED, if you think about it, 
you go, you know, quit school. Now there could be some valid reasons why you had to quit school. But if you if you, you quit in school just because you just waiting on turning sixteen to drop out, and then later on you then you decide, oh, I need to get a GD. No, you should have went on and finished then. Right. Hmm. And you have teachers encouraging you to stay in school and and run this race. It's and you know you can finish. Everybody is going to get to the finish line, but at different times. And kids need to understand that you can get there to that finish line. Hmm. So with that, parents, the community, need to encourage the children. Talk to these kids. Sit down and have these, have these deep conversations with them. Find out what it is that they are feeling, what they need to know, and work with them. Because a lot of these kids, when you talk to these students, you be, you're like, you're, you're taken aback because they're like, well, I didn't know you were, you could think that deeply. Hmm. You know, and I, and I mean, and kids want people to listen to them. We need to listen to them. And parents and, and, and even some teachers don't listen to these kids enough. And this is why they veer off, end up on the drugs, end up, you know, with the discipline problems because it takes a village to raise a child, so and we true. all got to do what we have to do to get these kids supported so that they can be the great adults. Because remember, folks, these are going to be our future politicians. Ooh. These are going to be our future, could be future doctors and lawyers and things like that. And if these kids do not have the adequate amount of education, y'all, we gonna, you know, we're not going to have the quality that we're that we all supposed to have. That we deserve. Exactly. And support these kids. Support them. When they're wrong, let them know they're wrong. Don't enable your student, your children. Right. Because I, I've so many times, I, as a matter of fact, I was talking to a parent today. And she, I can tell she's an enabler. She believes everything her child says. Oh. He goes back home and he tells her opposite. And today, he, got, he didn't have a leg to stand on with me. Uh. And I had his mom on the phone. And I'm like, no, you got to start taking responsibility. Right. Yeah. So the parents have to start making these kids take responsibility. Stop taking up for them. Right. You know what, parents, I know you love your children. You know, that's important that's to what love they, them. Yeah, yeah, they look up to the parents. Yeah, they look up. Your, parent, your, your children look up to you. They do. And so with that being said, you can't, dis, you can't be an enabler. You cannot. You cannot. The only person that harms is your child. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so with that being said, let's let's let us together, the parents and the and the educators get together, and raise a child and right. raise the children, because right. it does take a community. Thank you for listening to the Help Show, and stay tuned. Hey guys, we had so many great interviews. We had to do a part two for Education Community Matters. Stay tuned for part two on December 31st. Happy New Year and enjoy. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Help Show. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please leave comments. And we want to know what you think. It's so important for you guys to leave comments. We don't know. What? Why are you looking I'm at like, be gentle. Like, I'm like, leave comments, but just <laughs> keep them cute. Thank you. <laughs> Give me all the great comments and give all of the bad comments. (laughs) For more information and to donate, please visit our website at thehelpshow.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.